Hello and welcome to Folklore in the Field, the occasional bonus mini-episodes of the Folklore podcast recorded out in the real world. This interviews the second of three which were recorded at the International Society for Contemporary Legend Research Anniversary Conference in Sheffield. Once again, I'm joined by Perry Carpenter from the Digital Folklore podcast, and in this interview, we learn about the traditional folklore, creatures, and beliefs of Iceland and Sweden. So we are reconvened back around a table again, uh, and this time, to avoid the embarrassment of pronunciation issues, I'm going to ask our two guests (laughs) to introduce themselves because there are more complexities than with the guests that we had previously. So first off, Gunella, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, my name is Gunella Thorgeirsdóttir, and you don't need to mem- rem- uh, memorise the na- surname because it's a patronym, it's not the proper surname, family name. Thank you. Tommy? Yeah, I'm Tommy Kosala, uh, from a folklorist and historian of re- religion from Sweden. So we have Iceland and Sweden represented at this particular roundtable discussion and what we thought we'd cover are the kind of the strong folkloric creatures and themes of each of those countries and how they compare to each other. Um, So let's go ladies first. So Gunella, what do you consider to be the main folkloric themes, creatures, ideas in Iceland? I would have to say definitely the hidden people. Um, the hidden people, they don't like to be called elves, but they probably be classified as such. Tend to be taller, more majestic than the average human, so not, no little, little beings. And they reside in mountains and in uh, uh, huge rocks. And they interact with humans occasionally, mostly in, o- in order to borrow something made out of steel because they can't work with steel. And um, also uh, human midwives are very handy. Uh-huh. What's one of my favorite things thing about them though is how the legends tend to change. So you have similar legends in Norway. However, for instance, in Norway it's a, a, a man that gets uh, lured into the mountains, disappears for a year, comes back saying he's been with the hidden people. In Iceland, it's the woman who goes, <laughs> goes, gets lured away, comes back pregnant, and has had a fling with a person of a hidden variety. Okay. Tommy, how does that compare to your country? I, it's, it's very uh, similar, actually. The, we have different names depending on where in Sweden you are. For example, in the northern part of Sweden, we call it Vitra, and in the southern part, it's uh, Vette. And both of the, those words derive from an old Norse word called Vette. So it's just uh, how they say the word differently in, in the north and the south. It's also quite similar to the Norwegian um, idea of Hulderfolk. So, so it's a kind of a collective um, group of beings, supernatural beings, living close to human beings underground. Sometimes it can be called underdwellers or something like hidden people, actually, in a way. Um, and they sometimes interact with human beings. They are, for the most part, invisible. In, in southern parts of Sweden, they are usually thought of as quite small. Uh, but in the northern part, they are in stature like human beings. And they can be beautiful, they can be ugly, it can be everything that human beings are in a way. So they are, in a way, a reflection of ourselves. Okay. Yeah. What's interesting with the Hildefolk is that, sort of, first of all, Hildefolk is also a term, so that, yeah. that's the yeah. same origin, obviously. 
um, very often, historically, they would look like they were one generation past and looking very regal. Now, due to artistic renditions in the 18th, 19th century, nowadays they always look very old-fashioned and wearing the national costume. So it's interesting how the image has changed with the publicizing of the, the beliefs. Have there been changes as well, do you think, due to migration between the countries in, in your area? So looking at kind of Scandinavia, northern countries as a whole... <laughs> Has, has there been influence from one to another or do you think that your country's folklore is still very distinctive? Mm. <laughs> That's a quite hard uh, question to answer in a way. But see, we have a common, uh, ro common roots, obviously, from yeah. the, what we call the Viking Age, uh, because Iceland were colonized by many people from Scandinavia. Uh, and they brought with them uh, uh, stories and ideas, notions about uh, nature beings and things like that, um, which uh, took its own form in a way in Iceland. Uh, but Scandinavia is quite a big place. Uh, if you compare the, like Denmark, which borders to Germany and the northern parts of uh, Sweden and Norway. They are high up, <laughs> so to speak, past the, uh, uh, what we call polar circle. Yep. So, and also you have this, um, in the northern part at least, you have the Sami population, the Finnish population. So everything is like intermingled in a way. Even, even the legends can... I would definitely agree with it. So sort of, I think the originating part, sort of around the year 1000, we've had the same cultures. I think one of the defining parts of Icelandic ones is that a lot of the uh, folklore from Scandinavia was based on the history of living there. For instance, the tumuli of Viking chiefs and things like that, with areas which you associated with. Whereas when the settlers came to Iceland, there was no pre settlement. Mm. So the only thing you could see were the rocks or the <laughs> huge stones. Consequently, it made yeah. sense, I think, to associate them with the nature creatures or the, yeah, the power creatures living in the country before. Asuka, for e either of you that may have seen something, have you seen an influence uh, on your folklore that's been caused by or um, fueled by the internet? Give, give an example. Okay, so definitely in Iceland, there is this image now which is, works very well for tourists and is, was very well documented in Will Ferrell's Eurovision movie mm. about the hidden, hidden people being tiny, living in tiny houses and being these yeah. tiny creatures still capable of providing luck or unluck. But the image is just so very, very yeah. wrong and it's definitely internet propagated. <laughs> <laughs> I would say something, maybe it's nature as an enchanted place is something that mm. it's played on by social media and movies and things like that. Sweden is not very good at making movies based on folklore. Norway are. They've done, for example, this uh, Troll Hunters, which is yeah. a fantastic mm. movie based on um, uh, conspiracy theories and uh, contemporary society. And also there's like a hidden troll nation in Norway, which is uh, the government tries to hide from people. I love that one. Uh, I love it. And, and that sounds super cool. And everywhere, yeah. Norway, for example, and same thing in, in Iceland and also in Denmark, you can see tro trolls, ev yeah, trolls everywhere. Yeah, I was just thinking the Finnish uh, Christmas movie, yeah. where you have... Uh, what, what's rare exports. Uh, yeah, rare exports. <laughs> that was excellent. Just pure folklore, but very raw and very sort of yeah. point on. 
Nice. And they also have this uh, Norway also has this Tala, which is uh, Tala, which is uh, the name of uh, female forest spirit in a way, um, which has been subdued to experiments by a crazy Swedish scientist <laughs> <laughs> found it in modern, contemporary times. So this is a she's a huldra. They call it a huldra. Yeah. So yeah, that's also a lovely movie actually. Mm-hmm. What is the the level of belief, if that's the right term to use, and it's difficult to find the right terminology these days. You know, lots of people, when we talk about these kinds of creatures, think, well, yeah, that's kind of rooted in in the rural, uneducated 18th, 19th century life, and nobody believes in these things these days. But at the same time, there are pockets of modern belief And then sitting alongside that, there are these problems where you get these news reports about a road being diverted so that it doesn't go through what might be a protected piece of land, which is connected to these stories. And then everybody instantly goes, well, yes, it's because they all believe. (laughs) How do we we draw the distinctions there? If I may make an example. Um, The easiest example I make is when I'm starting class and I ask how many people in class how many of you believe in the Hildefolk, the, the hidden people? And maybe one person raises their hand or maybe someone tells a story of the grandparents or something like that. Then I ask, okay, so you just bought a new house, you're planning on putting a hot tub in the back garden, but there's a huge rock in the way. You're about to move the rock when a neighbor tips on your shoulder and now points out that it's actually a Hildefolk state. So what do you do? everyone without exception in the class will say, I'll put the hot tub over there. (laughs) So it's not um, belief, but it's not not disbelief either. They don't want to tempt fate. Yeah, Yeah. it's highly illogical to tempt something like that. Yeah, yeah. How about in Sweden? I think it's, uh, Swedes tend to think of themselves as we're rational, modern in a way, Uh, but you still find this kind of belief uh, lingering on. There's something very similar to this with uh, the Huldefolk and the hidden people living in in rocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote an article about this a couple of years ago. Uh, There was a highway in Sweden. When they they laid out the highway, it went past a a kind of mountainous area Mm -hmm. called Skarberget. And there's a lot of traffic accidents happening on this uh, little piece of road there, very close to this uh, place. And there was a local explanation, it's because they were, it was built on the, the ground of the Vitra. Ah. Same thing as you find in Iceland or in, on Ireland or mm-hmm. in, in different places. So it's still in contemporary Sweden something that you can find. And I'm also around the country, I've been everywhere actually in Sweden giving lectures. And I always meet people who have their own stories about uh, Tomte, which is uh, like a, a farmstead spirit, or they met, even I've heard someone say it, in front of 100 people that she's seen a troll mm-hmm. and wanted me to wow. explain things about that. But, yeah. Okay. Well, I have to admit, I regularly re- refer to the gremlins or the cheeky ones in my home mm-hmm. who inevitably borrow exactly the things that the Hultefolk would tend to borrow, the scissors mm-hmm. or a knife if you're working on something. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I think this, this is in the zone of this uh, half-belief or a grey zone. It depends on the context, mm-hmm. if they believe or not believe. And also you have some kind of um, places. We have the Great Lake Monster in the northern part of Sweden, which is 
similar to Ness in a way, yeah. but it's known from the 1600s. Um, there's a the northernmost runestone in Sweden is connected to, that, to a legend about this um, monster there. But this lake, I've met many people who still have their own uh, experiences from that lake, mm. even today. So, okay. And it would be, I mean, if someone would be swimming there or feeling something that's some kind of uh, horror kind of, not some kind of feeling, something that's strange, they would Presence. immediately associate it with the okay. monster. What's the, what's the status of folklore and folklore collecting in, in your countries? I mean, Tommy, for example, you work yeah. in the archives at Uppsala. So, you know, you have a very good collection there. Yeah. And, and is that still added to now? Yes, actually, the, the, there are several folklore archives in Sweden, uh, which there are all around the Scandinavian countries. Um, but we still continue, even today. Uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, I did a questionnaire about uh, ghosts and haunted places. So it's something that we still add to the collections, even though it's been around for more than 100 years. Excellent. And so, same in Iceland. Yeah. So we have the questionnaires that have been going on for over 100 years. And these have all been um, uh, data, the Put into the uh, oh, computer oh, yeah. format. Digitized. <laughs> Digitized, yes. that's the one. <laughs> um, and are easily available as well as the, all the various collections that by uh, individual institutions. I think we've nice. got lessons to learn, haven't we, Perry, from so, our countries yeah. as to how to do things properly. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Keeping the discipline to do anything for 100 years in the US with consistency is not something we have. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you both very much for taking the time. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Our thanks go to Tommy and Gunella for taking time out of their lunch break to sit down and chat with us. You'll find links on the Folklore Podcast website for this bonus episode to online spaces where you can learn more about the work of our guests. I'll be back soon with the next full-length episode of the Folklore Podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you then.